I'm Robin Crane, and this is the Growing Your Financial Business, The Woman's Way podcast. Listen, I was a financial advisor for over a decade, and I got so sick of the old archaic strategies that your grandpa used to get clients. What the industry teaches today is still so outdated and just doesn't work anymore. So I had to find a better way for myself, and then I got obsessed with sharing these how-tos with other women like me. The stuff I teach doesn't require giving up your life, your sanity, or your family time. I want women like you to have it easier than I had it, so you can thrive in the industry. I've now helped thousands of women grow their financial businesses to multiple six figures, some even seven figures per year. So on this podcast, you're going to get an inside look at how they did it so you can do it too. Let's dive into the show. Welcome, welcome. I am here with Dr. Sherry Walling, who is a clinical psychologist, a speaker, a podcaster, an author and mental health advocate. Her company, Zen Founder, helps entrepreneurs and leaders navigate transition, rapid growth, loss, conflict, or any manner of complex human experience. I'm super excited because she's got a million views, or a million downloads, rather, on her podcast, so she's amazing. Um, she's been uh, she's been called a must-listen by, or I guess her, her podcast, a must-listen by Forbes and Entrepreneur Magazine, and so this chick knows her stuff. And her recent book, actually, I want to make sure I don't mess it up, is called Touching Two Worlds, A Guide for Finding Hope in the Landscape of Loss. So as far as a perspective for you as a listener, as in the financial space, I think it's so cool to bring on Sherry because like, she understands what people go through and how they also avoid grief and what to do about that and having these conversations. So welcome, Sherry. Uh, it's, it's weird to call you Dr. Sherry because we know each other from our lovely... Uh, we're in a, a unicorn club. It's very, we're in very, a club. We're in a club. Yeah, together, we're in a club. Of unicorns. You, know, you can't be part of it, but it's, it's really <laughs> awesome. And we're basically unicorns, but you know, you can be jealous of it. So tell them a little about your experience. And then also from the perspective of like how you think people who are going through the process of loss and what they think about finances and like what's going through the head in that regard, are they trying to avoid it? Or are they thinking they have to get to it so that from the perspective of even marketing perspective or how we can help more people who experience loss deal with that and still and not sabotage all their financial success because of it. Sure. I mean, so loss creates a lot of vulnerability in people, right? When people are in grief, when they're preparing for loss, there's they just feel like their world's really cracked open and can feel a lot of differing emotions, some instability, and just a lot of fear and anxiety. So this recent book that I've written, Touching Two Worlds, is somewhat of a personal memoir about my experience losing my dad and my brother within six months of each other. So even though I'm a mental health professional, I've learned about loss, I've studied loss, I've worked a lot in the trauma space. It was my own experiences of loss that kind of led me to do this deep dive into this topic and recognize that a lot of what I felt like I was trained about in graduate school really wasn't the full picture of loss and what grief looks like. So I think about, especially for financial planners, right, the importance of really open conversations about transitions, which are kind of scary and uncomfortable, but so important because if you or any of your listeners may very well know when someone passes away or when there's, you know, a divorce, any kind of like major shift or transition in your key relationships, the logistics of that shift become unexpectedly stressful, complicated, overwhelming. It's like you want to be able to just grieve your parent, you know, be present with your family, think about them, be in the emotion space. But often there's a lot of pressure to like 
get your shit figured out and figure out the money, which, um, you know, your people know how to do. And a lot of people who are grieving don't necessarily know how to do or don't have the bandwidth for it in the moment. Yeah, because that's the thing, right? It's like, even if they know how to do it, like the last thing you want to do is have to go in that headspace and really think about all the money stuff. But like I said, like, as far as I think the biggest concern, because I know the women who I work with and that are listening to this podcast is they want to provide the transformation. The biggest concern Mm -hmm. is like, I don't, I don't want to see someone go through this pain and then also come out the other side financially unstable because of it. And that's why we also are doing the preparation around life insurance and things like that. So they don't have to worry about the money. But I would say most people, no matter whether they have insurance or not, most even who do don't ever have enough, you know, and it's not just like the money just solves all the problems because typically people are underinsured and no matter what, even if like money can't solve everything. So it's like, no matter what, if I were to, and, and I luckily have not experienced loss from my immediate family members, but like just trying to get into that headspace, I'm like, I wouldn't want to think about that stuff. I wouldn't want to do that. But the longer you wait, especially when the market's all volatile and crazy right now. And like the longer you wait, the more you could be putting yourself at risk financially. And the last thing you need is more stress around the finances when you're already stressed. Like what you just said is, is actually great messaging because it's like getting to your head around how someone's feeling when already stressed about that to have to deal with that stuff. And so, you know, I think from the perspective, let's just start with the first perspective of like, how do you want to be, let's assume like you, you know, you can step into your real, you know, perspective of yourself. Like you just experienced a loss of your dad, your brother, and I'm so sorry. Um, and how would a financial advisor or financial professional be able to comfort you and help you in a way that doesn't make them feel like they're like pounce, like I got to get this business, but like, but like proactively helps you so that you're actually positioned in a way that's going to serve you and your family. So one of the things that is different across families, I'll tell you about my family's experience as one edge of this, and then we can talk about the some of the other routes. But um, my dad was diagnosed with esophageal cancer. We knew pretty early on that this would be a fatal cancer. It was very, very advanced, very um, aggressive. And so we had 18 months with him from the time that he was diagnosed to the time that he died. And in that time, in that 18 months, knowing full well that this was a monster of a cancer that would probably end his life, my dear father, who I love very much, um, never wanted to have a conversation about money. Never wanted to have a conversation about like, hey, here's a life insurance. So it wasn't until the week before he died, he started hospice on a Monday. He died on a Saturday. so less than seven days. So on Monday, he starts hospice. And on Monday night, he's like, okay, it's time for me to tell you like where the passwords are. And so, you know, that, that doesn't have to be the experience. And I think a very, um, empathetic, very thoughtful, um, messaging around, Hey, I'm a financial advisor. I can help your family have some hard conversations that are difficult for you to have on your own. Or here's a guide to the questions that you need to ask if you have someone in your family who's facing a terminal illness. Like, don't let money be the thing that's stressful. So I think, and I don't know if my dad would have done it, but I think it was so hard for him to initiate that conversation because he he's a fighter. He's a lifelong athlete. And so he was bound and determined to beat this cancer and did 
every chemotherapy, every clinical trial, everything that he potentially could until it was painfully obvious that wasn't going to be successful. And so for him to stop fighting long enough to say, okay, yeah, we should actually have some real conversation about how the money's going to work after I pass away, I think was going to be very difficult. But if there had been a helpful professional that was maybe in our lives in some capacity or where that messaging was a little more accessible, I think that's a place where it really is a service to families. You know, that's so interesting because I was telling you before we started recording that I was, I just had a call with my clients and I was helping them with messaging. And usually we're talking about messaging in regards to attracting quality prospects. And it's like, what do you say so that like they want to talk to you? And ultimately, like, again, it goes back to that transformation. Like I want to provide value and I want this to be an easy conversation and it's a hard conversation. But -hmm. what's interesting about what you said, because we were using the example of a widowed woman and is that you're actually talking about before, like a lot of people are experiencing this and I haven't really thought about this is like where they have someone in their family has a terminal illness or cancer, or maybe it's not terminal, Mm -hmm. but it's like, wow, what a good time to bring up these things. It's it's hard as hell. It'd be even better before that. But if we had a target market where we're like, you know, I want to really help those people that they're, those tough conversations are like, eminent, right? We have to have Mm -hmm. these conversations. We don't want to have these conversations and almost like attracting those people who are fighters. And like, you know, this, this doesn't mean this is the end. It just means that God forbid it is the end that, you know, your family is going to be okay financially and otherwise. And like, like, I mean, some people get hit by a freaking truck and like, there's no, no warning. Right. But there's like actually so many people who are going through that and it's the last thing anyone wants to consider. So it has to be very gentle. It has to be very loving and compassionate. Yeah. But like, I'm, I would, I'm curious, almost like, I think it probably depends on every family, but like, who is the person that really would help your dad? Cause it's not your dad, right? It's not like someone who's like, Hey guy, who's, you know, and I'm not trying to be insensitive, but like, mm-hmm. you know, who's going through hell right now in, with his yeah. health to be the one that ha- like, that's, that takes too much strength and to actually have to be the one that says like, I need to talk about this. Like, like it, it's almost like saying I'm going to die, which you should never admit, never think. Right. Because especially if you're a fighter, right. So almost like, does it, is it to the, the kids, to the wife, the adult children? Yeah. 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 Like I think at least in in many stories, it's the adult children who sort of come in are, are like managing what's happening. Let's say it was you, right. I mean, and Mm -hmm. using this example, and thank you for being so open when I'm talking about like making something so heavy seem so light because it obviously wasn't, but I know how much you care about helping people. So I know you're willing to go there. Um, but let's say it was an advisor who wanted to help you have that conversation with your dad. So it didn't feel like you're dying dad, but it's just still like, regardless of what's happening. And I know you're going to get through this. Um, and again, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be insensitive. I'm just like, yeah. Like being real is, is how, how could someone approach you where you can know what to say? Cause you now as a psycho, you know, psychiatrist, psychologist, like all these, like, you know, this, this, um, you've helped 5,000 people personally, like all these things. It's like, how could they approach you? So you could have had that conversation and I'm not trying to put it on you, but I'm just saying like other sure. people like you because you weren't necessarily armed with like the right ammunition to, to say, dad, like we really need to talk about this. And it also feels like it's not your responsibility. Right. So, yeah, I, I think the thing that is the the story under the story, right? We psychologists, we pay attention to what's said, but we're always really curious about what's underneath what's said. The story under the story is that it's always a concern. 
even if nobody wants to talk about it, probably the more that nobody wants to talk about it, like means the more important that it is. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, in, in my family's case, my mom has a, a lifelong disability. So her, that her situation is like really important and she needs care and she, you know, she needs all these things. So the more that my dad didn't want to talk about it, it's just like, it's sort of inversely related to how important it is. Mm-hmm. So I think in some ways that's, that's the challenge that you face when you have it head on, but something like a, Hey, a financial checklist or, you know, things to think about if you have a loved one who's going through a terminal illness, mm-hmm. like the information. Cause at that point you're doing so much information gathering around an illness, around different treatments. Like many families are in just like information absorption mode. So another like quick tip checklist, like, Hey, here's some resources definitely coming across as like giving information as ide- and ideas more than like pitching or selling obviously. Of course, yeah. But, um, I think to acknowledge it's a difficult conversation, but it doesn't get easier And so to have it sooner rather than later and best case scenario, it's just not a conversation you need for a while, which is also fine. Yeah. And so we, and we talked a little about this at the beginning too, is like, well, how, how can they start bringing into this, this into their, I don't want to say everyday conversation, but like, let's say process as far as how they help clients well before it happens, because it would be way more ideal if well before this happened with your father, that it could have been like in place or it could have been if this happens, this is what we do. But, um, how would you recommend, especially from your background of having this conversation in a way that doesn't scare people and doesn't make them feel like it's too invasive Anything specific you might recommend on that area? I do think that some, just the directness of, Hey, nobody likes to talk about the fact that we lose the people that we love, but with 100% certainty, you know, we're, we're going to lose someone that we love. And so, what I would like to do as your financial planner advisor is to make that as easy for you as possible. So here's the resources. I'm one of your first few phone calls when it looks like that might happen. And I want you to know that I'm here and available when there's that huge crisis or transition in your life. Yeah. Yeah. And I, like, I would assume a lot of advisors are having that conversation, but I'm thinking back, I used to be an advisor and like, there's so many things like, it kind of has to come at a certain area in the process. There's so many things that are just like that are on people, the forefront of people's mind, right? If they're in this crisis mode, it's on the forefront of their mind. If they're not, it's like, well, you know, the market's going down right now. What do I do to protect my assets or what do I do to, you know, manage my risk or what do I do to make sure that I'm, I'm, I don't think they're thinking balanced, you know, portfolio, but I want to make sure that I'm not taking too much risk or I'm not going to get hit too hard if the market goes down further. Right. Um, so it's like, we got to deal with what's first on their mind, but I think the best advisors are going to be the ones that also let's like, there's, if, if they can have a process. And I think a lot of advisors are missing this, that they're taught, like, here's, here's the typical process you should have. And the typical things you think about, and usually it's things like, um, managing risk. It's going to be the portfolio and performance type of thing. It's going to be, um, how much insurance they have. Right. And if they Mm -hmm. have enough insurance and all these things, but um, I remember with one of my clients, like we created like a nine step system and within that has all these components. And, and actually it's been a couple of years. I don't remember if this is one of them, but like, I think it is, but one of them is really like anticipating these things and yeah. having these conversations. Like if you know, there's a nine step or a seven step or a five step process and you're only on 
number two, you know, you're not whole. Right. Right. And then, you know, there's a lot of legacy planning and all that stuff, but like, it should be a very, it should be a conversation that happens often. It's not like a one and done conversation, right? It's not like, I kind of think about it. Um, talking about grief is very similar to like helping your kids, like teaching your kids about sex. Like if it's a one-time conversation that you're having right as the first occurrence is underway, like you're way too late and you've just really gone about it the wrong way. But if you drop these like little, little knowledge bombs, little tidbits, little pieces of information and empowerment throughout their lives, they're going to be much better off. Same with grief. If you are having like these big conversations when you are in the middle of the crisis, it's like too little too late. But if you're talking with people, maybe every time you talk with them, Hey, any health changes in your family? Like just checking in, just asking every time, any health changes in your family, anything going on that might, you know, affect the health or well-being of important people in your life. Let's, let's put that out there. Let's make sure I know that. Yeah. Yeah. That's super helpful. Yeah. It's just like, cause it's usually these things that are more like almost urgencies. Right. And then it's mm-hmm. like, or it's like the, the, those few things, it's like asset allocation and, and risk management. And you know, like, it's like just the typical, yeah. like, and then how much their income is, how much they're saving that sort of thing. Whereas it's like, there's so much more or taxes, you know, there's like the core things. And then it seems like this is a little brushed aside until it gets to urgency mode. So let's, let's just say, um, taking it to that place where after like in, and most people have experienced some sort of loss, obviously everyone has to some degree, but not always in their you know, immediate family. Um, but, what's, what do you feel like? Cause going through this and just having someone who really truly wants to serve you and help you and make sure you don't make those big mistakes. Like what's, what's the approach that you would recommend or what is, or some things that they should know that, you know, because being a psychologist that we might not know, even though we feel like sometimes we're therapists, like being advisors and, the, sure. and coaches and sort of thing, but that, that would really help allow people to open up after they've experienced loss. So they don't procrastinate and put off all the things that are really important to create, you know, maintain their financial success, but that'll allow them to keep moving forward on that, um, without feeling like they're attacked or feeling like they can't open up in those areas. Are there some kind of approaches you might recommend or things that, you know, you can help them to get to those conversations that are difficult? I think acknowledging that in the immediate aftermath of grief. So if it's the death of a spouse or a parent or somebody very close to you, it's usually the first sort of eight to 12 weeks. People are pretty flooded. Their bodies are overwhelmed. Their brains are not functioning well. Often they're not sleeping well. So these are people who are in what we might call acute grief reactions. And during that time, I think it's helpful to have a touch point. Maybe maybe to send, if this is somebody you know, send flowers and a card and say, you know, I'm here for anything you might need. Um, we can talk long-term stuff later, but if there's anything immediate, I, I'm a phone call away. So recognizing that in those first three months, six weeks through to three months, people aren't really in a place where they can meaningfully do long-term planning, but they might have some short-term like, how do I get my bearings kinds of questions. So having those be two different conversations, I think is very compassionate because it can get super overwhelming when you're talking about the next 10 years, when your body is in a state of acute crisis and your brain isn't really able to think in a planful way. So have a short-term conversation earlier on in the process or invite that. And maybe at that three month ish mark, it's time to say, okay, 
hopefully the dust has settled a little bit. How you doing? Checking in. Can I send you a meal? Because often around that three month mark, like everyone has sort of moved on, but right. you still haven't totally moved on. So offering again, depends on the relationship, but like offering some support, offering some help. And then, um, you know, then saying, Hey, I'd really like to sit down with you for the longer term conversation. So I think parsing it is compassionate and is also really grief aware in terms of understanding what people can meaningfully engage in at what point in their grief process. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's great. That's great. And tell us a little bit more about the book. So I know, I mean, we want to make sure they can get the book because even if it's just, it's not necessarily from the financial perspective, like everyone experiences loss and, and grief and all of that. So tell us a little about the book, what's in it and what, what they might gain from reading it. Yeah. So the book is called Touching Two Worlds and the title reflects my experience being somebody who's sort of in the middle of my life, who is both building a career, raising children, like really in a life that's very wonderful and I'm building and feels very exciting. And then, then having to go back and forth between that life and the world, this other world of illness of grief, of death, of, you know, addiction, of abuse, and, and sort of how I figured out how to go back and forth between those two places and not get stuck in one, but not avoid it either. Um, and I think it, it has a lot of nuance and a lot of, um, a lot to offer folks that read it. So it is heavily memoir, but then many of the essays have at the end of them, what I call a take a moment session. So it's a little section of the book in which people are, are offered a journaling prompt or a breathing exercise or something that is an activity that they can engage in to help support their own grief process. So it's not just like, Hey, here's my story. It's very sad, but it's like, Hey, here's my story. Here's how it connects to your story. And maybe a tool or a suggestion that can help move you forward. So I think it, and, and that sounds like a great resource for their clients. Like, yeah. I mean, it's actually a, really a meant to be a giftable book. Right. That's what yeah. I was just thinking is like, you said, you know, maybe send them flowers, which that's very nice, but everyone sends flowers, but like, how amazing would that be to send that gift for someone experiencing that when you're ready? Like here's, you know, here's a book that would, hopefully, yeah. you know, really help you and support you in this journey. So I think that's, that's really great. I'm also just curious before we kind of say our goodbyes is just as a bit, cause you know, and you just kind of touched upon this with touching two worlds is like as a business owner, you know, growing a business because the ladies listening are, you know, growing a book of business, whether it's a financial or insurance business essentially. Um, and then having all the stuff that goes on from your perspective as a business owner, like, what advice do you have or just thoughts about like how, how to keep those worlds separate, but they can always be separate. I'm assuming, you know, yeah. it's like they, they always come together, but just from, cause you have a successful business and kids and all that. And how do you do that? And I know a lot of people ask the word, the, the question about like, how do I maintain balance? I think balance is like non-existent, at least for me, but like be able to do both and succeed in both areas maybe without the guilt. It's another emotion I'm sure you experience all the time, mm. but I, as a psychologist, not necessarily uh, as a, as a person, but like, how do they do that and do that successfully to manage all of that? I think grief is particularly tricky because it feels, especially initially really slow, right? Sort of slow and sad, like you're trying to move through molasses. And so I think people feel like I can't 
go there. Cause if I go there, I won't get anything done and I won't be able to keep my goals and I won't be able to take care of my kids and like do my life. But the thing that I learned that was really helpful is to recognize that grief can feel like that, but grief is also fuel and it's fire and it gets you really clear about what's important. And I think for many people, like really motivated to make the most of your time on the planet. So I would say to people who have a lot going on in their life, but are also experiencing something that has triggered grief in them, could be a loss, could be um, a different, well, it could be a death or it could be a different kind of loss to not, not be afraid of the grief process to realize and to trust yourself that it can also give you more energy and more clarity once you sort of let it take its course. So part of that is really listening to yourself and what you have energy for in a given day and trusting that there will be days when you have all the energy in the world that you need to, you know, write that proposal or to finish that project. And then there are other days when it's, it's almost like a violence to yourself. It's a disservice to push so hard. So some days you don't push and some days you just trust that you have the energy. I know that maybe sounds a little bit like, un, I don't know, maybe wishy-washy or something, but the, the superpower is self-reflection and the superpower is finding your energy and your sort of power from inside and not forcing it. Because when we force it, we don't do the grief work and we just are skirting over it, repressing it, shoving it down and it will get us later. It will take our energy at some point or another. And I think that's great advice, even without grief, specifically like any emotion, right? It's like, mm-hmm. or any, any, not just trauma, but any situation. It's like, I think, especially in this field, it's a male dominated industry and it's very much like push, not pull, you know, whereas mm-hmm. women, you know, we sometimes in this industry, we, we, we put the blazer on, we act like the dudes, we, we follow the systems they give us and fact find, which is, you know, basically ask about their numbers and all that with, with, even though we want to be in, in our heart, we are starting to be in our heads because we have to like be business owners and get there. Um, but what I've noticed with my business, like, and I, I'm all about like, go get them, you know, like just like hardcore-ness, if I can get a word. And, and when I've, and I'm big on law of attraction now after years of like seeing that just like the hard work, you know, just intense hard work doesn't always pay off. And like mm-hmm. really being able to sit with it and listen to your intuition, like this is the woman's way. And I talk about, you know, it's called growing your financial business, the woman's way. It's like the woman's yeah. way. If we're not put in that male, you know, kind of dominated uh, arena and instead we go into our intuition, into our heart and out of our head and like just listen to ourselves, listen to our bodies, regardless of whether it's grief, whether it's guilt, not being around the kids. And I said, you said other grief is not just loss of, of, of sure. someone like by death, but like, there's all these emotions we're experiencing, like guilt that I'm not with my kids, guilt with that I'm not doing enough in my business, um, feeling like, uh, like self doubt. Um, I, I'm not good enough to even do this. Who the heck am I? I, I feel like a fraud. I feel like an, I have imposter syndrome, even though, you know, I, I'm supposed to be the financial advisor that knows, knows is all knowing about finances. And then I, I have debt and God forbid someone finds out, you know, so all of these emotions, like pick any given emotion. Right. And it's like, we can keep pushing, 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 and just work hard, which is really admirable that people are willing to work hard. But what actually works best, and this is what we find, you know, in our unicorn group, it's like mm-hmm. there's so many successful women, seven, eight, nine figure, whatever, plus business owners who 
you eventually get the lessons and the lessons that you get when you get to this level is no, it's not about pushing, you know, it's actually about allowing and standing in your value and listening to yourself. And that's the woman's way that allows you to be as successful as the dudes, but in the way that's like right for you. And Mm -hmm. you can push all day long and still not get the door open. You know, it's like, but sometimes if it's, if it's a pool like door, you need to actually pull when you pull, (laughs) Right. right? But you just keep pushing. It doesn't get through. And sometimes it will. But it's like, I think that's a big lesson that I had to learn. And I constantly have to remind myself and constantly learn that because it's like when I'm not getting the result, I go back to the uh, like hardcoreness, Right. And mm-hmm. when I actually sometimes make a lot of money or help a lot of people and it's like, oh, what did I do? And still made 100 grand this month. You know, that's like mm-hmm. I, I didn't do much and almost you feel guilty, but then you're like, Oh, it's because I allowed it to happen. And everything I've been doing up to this point has allowed it. So, um, before we go, and I just had a long rant, but just anything to add to that, um, and leave them with from your perspective, um, because I know you help entrepreneurs, Mm -hmm. you know, grow by, you know, really helping them with all, all, all the inside stuff, but, um, anything else to add around that? I mean, I like, I like the framing of gentleness, which again is a very female, or women's approach to how we do work, but especially when you are serving people whose hearts are really tender with they're in grief or they're in transition, like your gentleness, your lack of urgency, I think reads as really safe and really trustworthy and really stable. So to understand that when you're walking into someone's financial life that can feel very chaotic or crisis oriented, especially if there's been a recent loss, that the urgency is really, really counterproductive, like, but the stability, the safety, the gentleness, the like, I'm here whenever you have those questions, you know, it's just very like reassuring that there's help to be had. So I would say, don't, don't ever lose sight of your identity as a helper, a helper above and beyond anything else. And that, that, um, piece of you, that part of you is what the world is most in need of, especially when people are really vulnerable. Awesome. Love it. Well, thank you so much. Um, so all of you listening, go get the book touching two worlds, Sherry Walling. Um, she's a PhD psychologist, extraordinaire business, business entrepreneur and all. Um, and you can check out her website at zenfounder.com. Anything else I should add or they could, they can find you. Yeah. You all can find me on the internet. Uh, I do have a first book called the entrepreneur's guide to keeping your shit together. So if you're feeling a little squirrely around the edges yourself, um, that might be another read that's, that's for your heart as an entrepreneur. <laughs> That's great. Maybe we can do another podcast on that. Well, and, and check out our podcast too. What's your podcast called again? Zen, Zen founder. Zen founder also. Okay, cool. Yeah. Check it out. It's got a million downloads. You can be the millionth and one million, million <laughs> and oneth. I don't know what it is. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next time on growing your financial business the woman's way. Bye-bye. I actually have the link for the tag challenge, the appointment generator challenge. So instead you can just go to femalefinancialadvisors.com and register right now so that you can get five quality appointments in just five days. Now, this is not around, you know, you having to talk to friends and family and get all awkward. This is not about you having to spend marketing dollars online or create a whole funnel. This is going to be easy. It's simple. It happens in five days. If I can get you five quality appointments in five days, then you know that you can have the best year of your life because you just need to get in front of more of the right people. We will walk through it together as we do it. So do not miss this. And if 
you can, if you're smart, do VIP, spend a few extra bucks, and you can actually spend time with me on Zoom where I can connect with you, get to know you, and really help you get those quality appointments so that you can grow your business. And um, go ahead again, register at femalefinancialadvisors.com. You'll find it all there. It's happening, coming up very, very soon. So make sure to register, claim your spot, get in on this, get excited about it, block your calendar because you need to spend about an hour to an hour and a half uh, a day with me on the Thursday, Friday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, so that you can get these results and it does work. The most appointments I think we got in those five days, uh, someone I think it was Dana got 33 appointments. So you could be my best student and go well beyond the five quality appointments. Go to 10, go to 15, go to 20 and set your, yourself up for the best year ever. Can't wait to see you at the tag challenge. See you there. Thank you again for listening to Grow Your Financial Business the Woman's Way. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.